Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us today. So grab a coffee or a tea. In your favourite mug. Let's get settled down and begin this week's conversation. Good morning. A bit of a flustery morning, isn't it? Well, it is for me. I don't know what it is for you. No, we're, we're all good. We had a bit of a time change, but we're all good. We're here. So how are you, my love? You've had a big week. Um, yeah, it's been, you know what? It's been really strange. I mean, last time we spoke, we were both on our holidays. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, it feels like ages ago. I'm in a really weird place, Claire. I don't really know how to describe it. I'm, I'm very much, I'm in a really weird place because... I'm just confused. Like I'm kind of, I'm okay. kind of getting used to having cancer, mm-hmm. and then I'm kind of like, there's definitely something about having cancer that is has been for me a very strange juxtaposition of feeling incredibly, I don't know, alive. I mean, you, you could probably reflect back better to me how it how it's yeah. been and yeah. it's a, again it's a strange concept isn't it to talk about cancer in a positive way but it has opened up my eyes in a way that I never thought it would and it's allowed me to feel in a way that I never thought it would and now I'm kind of like I don't know now I'm I'm just like living day to day and I'm used to it but then I'm not really living day to day. I mean, it is that quote that I said, which is everything's changed and nothing's, nothing's changed, changed. And it's a really weird place to be. It's really weird because it's like, obviously, I don't want to have cancer. I don't want to be going through all this. But then, like, right alongside that is just a whole different outlook and experience on life. It's it's really, really hard to explain and it's a really weird feeling it's it's like that parable that your your guru friend sent through about the the chinese man and i'm not gonna be able to remember it all but it's the chinese man whose son whose son goes off and neighbors are like oh no this is so dreadful that your, your son has just left you and he was like could be bad could be good i don't know and then the next day the the um, army comes past and conscripts um, all the men under eighteen, and his son, which meant his son would have gone to war. Um, and the next day, he has a pony that that, that flies away, and his neighbours are like, "Oh no, this is so awful!" Um, and he's like, mm, "Could be good, could be bad." And then the, the day after that, his son rides back on the on the pony, and his neighbours are like, "Oh wow, that's that's brilliant that your son has come back." And he's like, "Well, you know, it could be good or it could be bad." And I think for me, what what you're saying is that like this journey has brought with it things can be both good and both and bad at the same time you're living in that contradiction in that juxtaposition all the time and and I think we said like you know alert to the wonder of the world like you're so much more appreciative of like beauty and and small moments and and the slowing down the pace of your life it's you just did such a good way of grounding me and like completely and utterly defining what it is that's exactly it and I think like I'm such a person that's, you know, so active in my life, you know, making things happen all the time. And so, again, to kind of ride this out and it may be good and it may be bad, like, and and not to really be able to define that yet, still, maybe ever, is just, you're exactly right, you're spot on. And it does... And in a way, like these tears are sort of like, oh, God, thank you. I can just kind of just remember to just, you know, be. And I find that really hard. I think I just find that really hard. And I think it is. It's exactly that. It's like, 
I don't know, there's good in this and there's bad in this. I mean, it's exactly the same juxtaposition as living and dying. It is. And, and, and I think what's so difficult about this as well is that like, you're switching tracks all the time. All the time. Like minute to minute, probably, like hour to hour, like half day to half day, you know, morning to evening. So you, you, you don't get that th- through line, you, you, you know, yeah. which is difficult. And I think what's difficult. been difficult is that I've been really busy yeah <laughs> you know like suddenly my life's got busy again like, don't ask me what or why it just has and that is quite restrictive actually and I think what you know someone who listened to this said to me it you sound very free mm. and very clear there's a lot of clarity in what you say and you sound very free and I was like wow okay That's really interesting because that is what I feel. I do feel incredibly free. I feel like cancer has given me a permission to be free. And God, you know, that is (laughs) kind of, it's like, wow, you're just faced with that. I'm just, I'm faced with that And, and that choice, I think. And yeah, it's, it is, even in the busy, where do I find the free, where do I find the cancer? It's just, it's, yeah. Oh, exactly this busy right. feels like an unnecessary distraction right now. Is that what it feels like? Like a pressure, like I don't want this bullshit in my life anymore. Like, let's just clear the decks. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so God, you're spot on with all of that. And actually, you know, there's something about the busy, you know, it's, I think you've paraphrased that fable really really well and yeah my friend the guru always sends me brilliant things but it's funny because I was I remember a few years ago I do these urban retreats at Tri Yoga where you go to the yoga studio every day for three days across the new year Mm -hmm. I know you're familiar with it and they usually come up with a theme like every year and the one that struck me the most was this um it was a it was must be seven or eight years ago and the theme was a, and you'll say it better than me, a Leo Tzu quote. Um, and, and I had to look up this morning because I was like, I was feeling like to, remem- to remind myself of this, it's just, it's so grounding. And again, it comes back to like how we choose to see the world and what our perspective is. And so I found it and I wrote it down. And, and, and this, is, this is the saying, be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realise there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. So that was always kind of the quote that we went back to, but that stayed with me for ages. I was really frustrated. I had to look it up because it, it you know, it was one of those quotes I thought I would never leave me. And it is that idea that like, it's exactly up to you. Like, everything's exactly where it needs to be. I mean, to paraphrase that, a therapist once said to me many, many years ago, look at the bagel, not the hole in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That's another slightly more light-hearted way of looking at that. I love it. Look at the bagel, Um, not the hole. Isn't it? It's a shift of focus, isn't it? It's a shift of focus where it's that other sort of like, well, this one is quite a trite one, but like, where your attention goes, your energy flows. It's that kind of thing. It's like where where you pivot and where you choose to look. Um, but thinking about what you were saying earlier of having to deal with like a tumult of like conflicting emotions and not a straight route forward to this, it also made me think of that Rumi poem I sent you like a while ago, how 
different emotions arrive every day and different feelings and you have to treat each as a guest and kind of welcome them in for as long as they are going to stay for because they will move on. I think it's something of that. It's that it's that it's the, the difficult journey of, of of acceptance of all things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, it's like this is all like the kind of navigating through it and processing it is all stuff that I know. Yeah. But it's so hard. It can trip you up. Time. Do you know what I mean? And then you have to kind of again, when you're busy, it's hard. To, to be in that space and just sit and with stillness, it yeah. and let it be and let it pass. And I think that's the thing I think for me is just committing to being less busy yeah. and knowing that that is really the medicine that I can give myself at the moment and that I really need to give myself. And yeah, it's, um, and I think yeah. I come back from that trip where there was so much life, wasn't there? There was so much energy and I was carrying that force through. And here I am, like, having been back in London five days later. And it's like, whoa, I don't know what to do with all that energy. And I don't know where it goes now. Like, and I think it is. It's just it's just making that that promise and that's that, that stillness and just being okay with that and just seeing that, like, everything I have is right here. Yeah. It, I have everything that I need. Mm. So, yeah, it's been, um, yeah, really, really, really difficult to kind of, yeah, find, and then, you know, we've talked about identity and I don't want the cancer identity and stuff. And it's like, I'm getting used to having that Mm. as an identity. I'm almost thinking, who am I without the cancer? And then that's really annoying because I don't want it to, you know, I don't want to have a mindset whereby I need the cancer in order to experience life through a different veil. Um, That's, again, a kind of push-pull feeling. You know, the other thing that comes up is like a huge amount of uncertainty. And we, again, we touched on this last time because when I spoke to Dr. Newbold and I thought I'd have all these answers and I was getting all brave and she was just like, didn't didn't really give me any. And the same thing happened when I saw um, Prof pop out. So you'd wrap yeah. yourself up to like ask the difficult questions and then they can't give you the answer. They can't give you I the actually answers, hadn't, I hadn't really revved myself up for anything. I just, I was kind of like, intrigued to be seeing him because I'd only seen him that once four weeks prior so what would his indication of me on the on the treatment be and he was like really positive you know he could see from my blood results at the two-week point like that everything was moving in the right direction and that I was responding really well to it he sort of wanted to know, did I want treatment for any of the side effects? I just said no, because they're really not that bad. And I don't want to, you know, like I said to you, I don't want to pile more meds on on top of what I'm already taking because I've started taking the heart medication as well, which is the anti-inflammatory. And and so I didn't really go into that appointment with any expectation about questions, but Dinch was with me. And I think we just... He's such a he's such an interesting guy, Prof Popat. He's so he's just so smart and so knowledgeable and just so and also brilliantly brilliant with language. Like he is. And I and and I wonder, is that a Royal Marsden thing? Is that him as an individual? Um but I just so spontaneously kind of said, look, what do you see the outlook? Where do you how do you see this longer term? What 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 do you feel is gonna happen? And he he was like, do you really want to ask these questions? And I said, well, I do. I said, Dinch, are you okay with this? And Dinch was like, yeah, if you're happy to. 
<laughs> Popat said, he said, oh, I'm actually really crap at this. <laughs> I like that. It's kind of like a warning up front, a little coda at the beginning. Yeah, FYI. So, meh. He's like, I'm really crap at this stuff. Yeah. So I said, oh, go on, give it a go. I go on. Um, <laughs> go on, try telling me how long I want to live. Go on, I dare you. <laughs> oh, prof. Oh, prof. And what, and what did he... And he, yeah. he... Do you know what he more or less said? He can't tell me. <laughs> and he said what what I know, which is that any studies and statistics are so based on population, you know, how old is that individual? What's their like previous health situation like? You know, lots and lots of different variables. And so there are no other me's, you know. And he said to me, You are beautifully unusual. Beautifully unusual. I love that. Carry that mm-hmm. forward. Isn't that sweet? I am. I'm totally using that. And he said to me, you know, the way... That's that, a good like, identity treat- moniker. Yeah, beautifully unusual. Yeah. I love it. It's like once Dinch's old pal, who's a really good friend, when I first met him, said to me, you know, I'd probably describe Dinch as unique but not special. <laughs> oh, my God. That's both a compliment and a put-down in one. That's amazing. Which is exactly what their friendship, do you know what I mean? They're like these kind of take the piss out of each other. There's a lot of love there. And there's, and so that kind of stuck with us. He's unique but not unique. special. And my version of that is I'm beautifully unusual. Um, so yeah, you, you know, and I think this is the really difficult thing. And I almost feel kind of like not unreliable, but I wish I could give people a more concrete response as much as I don't know if I want, I don't know what I want to hear, to be really honest with you. I don't know, but ultimately I just don't think they can tell me. Yeah. Nobody's got a magic eight ball that you can, um. Yeah. But the truth is, you know, that makes me like everybody else. None of us know, really. Like, you just got to sit in the unknowing, don't you? And that is uncomfortable. But you are right. It is that none of us know. I wonder whether that will change for them as time goes on. You know, again, I have to kind of accept that this is such early days. You know, they, they need to really see what the scan shows. So I've got the scan booked in for middle of May. Middle of May will basically give us a good indication from the scan of like how the treatment's working with regards to shrinking the cancer or getting rid of the cancer in certain places. And then it will also give us a good indication of kind of when surgery would happen or should happen. I mean, you know, the other thing is like he isn't necessarily convinced that taking out the thyroid is like the best thing that we can do and I'm laughing because I was relaying this to my mum yeah are you ready for that yes I'm ready I'm bracing myself for that time so I (laughs) I was relaying to my mum how the appointment went and that it remains the case that like he is administering the treatment and Dr Newbold is dealing with the cancer and so when I said to my mom, like, he doesn't, he doesn't even necessarily know if surgery is the right thing to do because removing the thyroid isn't going to, like, get rid of the cancer. Because even though it's thyroid cancer, we know that it's the gene that got turned on that's causing the cancer. And so my mom's response was, well, do you think you're seeing the right doctors? <laughs> What did you say? What did you say? Were you just like, uh, just a pause? 
<laughs> I mean, what can you say? No. You know, so I was like, Mum, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing yeah. probably like the best, the best, the best specialist in the entire country. Yeah, I got a great, <laughs> I, got, I got the A team in the world. Yeah, possibly the world, but maybe I should find another doctor. <laughs> wow, just wow. But you know, thank you. Bless her, you know, because because we want answers. Yeah, we want don't answers, we? don't we? Always. We want we want someone to say this is exactly what we're going to do and this is exactly what's happening and we know exactly what the outcome's going to be. And we want doctors to give that to us and these guys can't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the other thing was that, you know, we talked about in that appointment what you and I talked about last week, which is <sighs> the shelf life of these meds potentially there will be you know what you mean how long you can take them for yeah I mean I had thought before I'd be on these meds these meds for the rest of my life but what I realize is some form of medication for the rest of my life um because actually what happens with these is they they sort of they work if they work they really work and then they kind of plateau and when they plateau we don't know you know, um, and what that will look like when that happens, we don't know. But he already has in mind two other drugs that he would transfer me to. That's great, though, to know that, like, yeah, you've got, yeah, two more net, two more nets, you know, like, yeah. And as you said the other week, like, and who knows what will, what medicine will be available for you in, like, a year's time or two years' time or three years' time if this drug that you're currently on is only three years old. Like, yeah, where the science will be then. Exactly, exactly. There could be, and he, and he, we discussed that as well. And he said, yeah, that's the thing. And he said the other word, the other, the other kind of way he described me was as a pioneer. That you're a pioneer because, because of the treatment. The beautifully unusual pioneer. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Look at that. Look at that. That's Katie Phillips, a beautifully unusual pioneer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... So now, how does like, that feel though to be called a pioneer? Like, that's like it's kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of cool again. I feel like I need to do something. <laughs> you are doing something just by being, just by being in this. You were doing what you need to, just living in this, being here. You're doing it. I know, and that that's, I guess, what I need to remind myself. Like, I don't need to tick things off and to do, you don't this. need to effort like, for this. You're just it. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's the resistance. That's the bit where I'm like trying to break that down, and I've got I've got to accept it because you know when you think of a pioneer, you think of someone who is out there, right? I think of crampons. I think of like climbing mountains with ice picks and stuff like that, or like yeah, well, it's like charting new territory, or um, yeah, something vigorously physical. Or, 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 yeah, I guess you're right. But it's active. Campaigning, it's, it's active. active. Yes, you're very much, it's very active. And so yeah. how am I passive? How can I be a passive pioneer? I don't, <laughs> I don't think, know. but you're not passive by your, by your nature. But I, I, but I think because you're successful, because you're so driven, because you're so determined, it's a switch that you could flip and easily go into that turbo mode of doing. And you're right. If you, you know, you know, you've said earlier that your medicine is, stillness your medicine is unbusy your medicine is like pockets of peace for yourself and that's a that's a way of being pioneering you know when the world's telling you or when you're telling yourself the one way you kind of go another 
exactly. It's really, yeah, and the effort of nothing, the effort. The effort of nothing, yeah, which is a real oxymoron, <laughs> but it's true. How difficult it is just to be still, yeah, and allow yourself not to do anything, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what other practice I have, which, again, it's Talk to me, to guru. Guru. Oh, guru. I need to, like, start a whole, like, reference. Yeah, 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 asterisk. We'll see if she come um, on and talk, but yeah. Oh God, yeah, I'm sure she would because she is, you know, she's got a real practice herself. She's got an amazing practice of life. Um, but in in exactly what we're talking about, like the effort of stillness, there's this amazing book which she sent me, and it's called The Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo, and this guy is someone who. I mean, it's, it says that, like, he nearly died with cancer in his 30s. And then he obviously came back to kind of living. Um, and he describes it as, it's given me a chance to gather and share the quiet teachers I've met throughout my life. So essentially, it is the art of, of stillness and quietness. It's basically a calendar. And for every date, there is just a little simple little saying a simple little um reminder. proverb sorry remind a reminder yeah a reminder and that might be taken from a quote from someone else or from himself and then it leads to a story and then always at the end there's three or four points and it's it's about meditating on what you've just read and so i've added that to the kind of morning gratitude um but it's exactly that. It's exactly a moment to reflect and to think and then to kind of breathe into some kind of space. And it, it's always relevant. And, and the reason I'm telling this, I didn't know if I, was gonna, if I was going to mention it or not. But basically, I had this really weird thing. So, like, I mentioned the pain in my rib and how that's like the fracture that's caused by the cancer. And... Where that pain was was definitely reduced, but kind of shift a little bit more centre, a little bit more to the left. There's been this kind of like what feels like a sort of deeper pain and I could feel it when I breathe and I could feel it when I'm lying on my side. And I didn't really, I basically didn't want to worry Dinch about it. So I didn't really talk about it. And I, you know, again, it's like these things of when I'm feeling something, I think, is that a new pain? Is that an old pain? Is that a side effect? Is that something you know it's and I think some of that thought is a carryover from when I wasn't on treatment and it was very real and I was very very concerned and I don't want to say paranoid because I have I had every right to be concerned by anything I felt but while I'm on the treatment I think as the longer I'm on it I feel more confident that anything I'm feeling is treatment related or you know like I did have a little tiny little cough it was just a little cough but anyway this pain in the rib as it moved I sort of thought oh I'm not sure like is that something to be worried about I'm not sure and I on on Monday I read a page from the book of awakening and it said the purpose of full attention this is the ongoing purpose of full attention to find a thousand ways to be pierced into wholeness. Hmm. 
And he basically goes on to say, and I'll just read the first paragraph, a most profound and helpful learning came to me when struggling with the pain of having a rib removed. For weeks, I felt a corset of pain girdling each breath, but watching the winter water of a stream begin to thaw and flow over and over, I finally saw that to make it through the pain, I had to be more like the water and less like ice. Which is that thing, isn't it? That when we tense up with a feeling of pain, we focus on that pain and we focus on that pain. That pain becomes so much worse. And not only that, you're feeling the pain. And I was like, of course. And I try to do that. And I think I've said that before. I try to breathe into that place and just allow it to be there and then focus on where there isn't pain, you know, in my toe or in my ear or where we don't really feel pain very often. And I remember saying to you early on, like, I think about my legs and my legs are fine. My legs are fine. You know, I don't have anything wrong with my legs. But it was really the fact that he was talking about his rib. And that day we went, it was the bank holiday Monday, Easter Monday, I think. And we went for brunch and I leaned across the table and, oh, there was the most excruciating pain. I went, oh, ow. And Ditch said, what? What's wrong? And I said, oh my God, my rib just really something, it just really hurt. And it was really, really painful. And I, he said, you haven't told me you've had pain there. And I said, well, I didn't want to worry you. And he was like, you've got to tell me everything and anything. And I said, really? Like, mm. that was a slightly separate conversation. But basically I said to him, like, you don't need to worry about every little thing that I'm feeling. And also like, it's boring. <laughs> it's boring for you. He said, no, it's not. No, it's not. I need to, I want to know. I want to know. And I said, but you might think you want to know, but actually like, there's also just stuff maybe you don't need to know. But anyway, it was such an excruciating pain. And then I kind of recalled what I'd read that morning. And then I was breathing and I was breathing and I was breathing. And actually since then the pain's gone. And it's really weird because like, either that was just the last bit of pain I needed to feel. And then the pain's gone. Or like the next day I went to see the doctor tonight, I sat with Professor Popat and I said to him, I told him about it. And he said, a fractured rib can take a really long time to heal. And it's probably that. And maybe it was that conversation that stopped the pain. I honestly don't remember like where the pain stopped, but it stopped. You don't have it now, you're, you're sitting there and it's fine. Yeah. And it's just... Again, you know, and that, you know, it's just, it was just time for the pain to stop. But it was like a reminder, you know, of what, like, to breathe into pain. And, and you know, it's just, it's really, like, this book is just, it's a really amazing learning. Like, every day there's something. And I think, like, yeah, there is a bit of work to do in stillness. But, like, there are things to help you. <laughs> this, is definitely, this book is definitely one of them. Breath, attention awareness I think that's the thing Claire in a way like I've got so much going on that it's quite overwhelming yeah you do it's huge yeah yeah and I think that's the thing like how am I still how am I a pioneer how am I grateful how you know all of these things and it's obviously making me emotional because you can hear it in my voice like and just going back to that proverb that you 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 know you paraphrased maybe good maybe bad Let's just see. Oh, God, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. 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 But that's, that's, I kind of feel like, again, 
I don't have a choice, but I do have a choice. I have a choice how I'm dealing with this, you know? And that's... A choice to look at the bagel, not the hole. (laughs) (laughs) What do they do with those holes? No, I don't think... They don't pierce them, do they? They they make them, they roll it. I mean, I think they roll it and then they put it together. Yeah, that's exactly what they do, yeah. So I had my chicken soup, by the way. Oh, my you dead did? chicken soup. Did you? And how was it? Yeah, my mum made mama's, my dead mama's dead soup. chicken soup. It was really good. And you know what? Like there were no like floating bones. She took a lot of the chicken out. She kept saying, I'm making chicken soup and I'm putting lots more vegetables in it. And that means Dinch has got to has got to eat it because I'm doing it especially for Dinch because he can't really handle like the floating bones and the floating chicken. And it was really, really good. My mum actually wrote me the recipe, um, which I'm going to put on my Instagram, but I just thought, is that a useful thing to read? Might people want to, to make it? Or is that just too long and lengthy? I yeah. adored it. I was I, I adored reading it. I've had a bit of a sneak I sent grim. it to you. Yeah, I had a bit yeah, of a I sneak. Yeah, I sent it to you, didn't I? A sneak, a sneak. Because I think it's got your mum's, uh, it's got your mum's turns of phrase in it as well. Okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to read the recipe and then I'm going to put it on Instagram. So if people want to, and you know, I'd love people to try making it and to tell me. Send their pictures in. Because this is the thing, this is the truth. Whether you've got a cold or you've got cancer, a Jewish mother will always prescribe chicken soup. No matter what, chicken soup is the remedy. Chicken soup is the solution. And I I said to her, look, would you mind sending me your recipe? And um, she said, she said, I just do it automatically. I don't have a recipe, but I can tell you what to do. And I was like, actually, it's kind of for my Instagram. So if you could write it down, that'd be great. So she wrote, this is my version. Always make it the day before you want it. You need a nice deep pan with a lid. Get a kosher roaster. They definitely taste better, probably from the koshering in salt. Cut into six pieces or cut into quarters. You might not need to use all the chicken if the pan's not very big. One or two, not red ones, onions, peeled, left whole. At least four carrots, thickly sliced, four or more celery sticks, one sweet potato cut in half. Sometimes I peel, sometimes I don't. (laughs) Half sweet peeled and cubed, optional. Two parsnips peeled, cut in half. I don't always add these. Bunch of dill. That's an Israeli tip I picked up. Add to the liquid and let gently simmer. Add about three flat teaspoons of salt. You can always adjust the seasoning the next day. A good shake of white pepper. About eight whole black peppercorns. Two bay leaves. Some Lowry salt. One sugar lump. Put the chicken pieces in the saucepan and cover completely with cold water. Bring to the boil and skim off the protein as it's boiling. I pour this over my dog's food. He smacks his lips afterwards. Then add all the veggies. You might have to dig them under and around the chicken to get them under the water or top up the water a little bit. Then bring to a gentle simmer, put a lid on and simmer away for about two hours. Don't let it boil away. So just keep checking that it's a gentle simmer. Prod the chicken, which should be soft enough to fall off the bone and check the carrots are cooked. Nothing should be al dente in this potage. It's a homely dish. 
Leave to cool and put in the fridge overnight. Next day, skim the fat off the top of the soup. It might be jellified, which makes it easier to defat. Heat it and gently boil for minimum 15 minutes. You might want to eat the chicken separately, make a chicken pie or a chicken salad or chop some up and put it in the soup. Taste to see if it's seasoned enough. You can also add vermicelli or orzo, serve piping hot with lots of veggies and maybe pre-cooked vermicelli. Enjoy. I love it. I love it. My favourite line in that is, nothing in this potage should be al dente. Nothing. Nothing. So absolutely there nothing is... should have a crunch to it. It all has to be boiled with an inch of its life. Well, it's already dead. But in case you need to take out your teeth, you can still eat. The you can still eat. This appeals to all ages. Um, yeah, no, it's brilliant, and and I can just like that. How my mum writes is exactly how she how talks. Speaks, so obviously, yeah. I yeah, had yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. I had to paraphrase. So uh, not paraphrase. I had to you had to deliver it verbatim, a bit of verbatim theatre in the uh, in the podcast. Yeah, thank so you thanks, very much, Mum. Thanks Mom. for the chicken soup, and thanks for the recipe. So you met with Popper this week, and you said your is your next big your next big milestone is having your scans. So I met with Popper, and after that appointment, I had my bloods taken. Um, and that was all they did actually. And that was interesting because he said, are you having an ECG, which is where they put the stickers where you don't moisturize, <laughs> um, beforehand. And then I said, I'm having that actually, I am having that on Thursday. And he said, well, let's not, he said something like, let's not over investigate Katie today. It was something like that. What he was saying was, and I, and when I went to have my ECG, it came back to me. So a few days later, I went to have my ECG and it came back to me that he said that. And I realised what he doesn't want is for me to feel like just a walking patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to overwhelm you with stuff if it's not necessary. He doesn't want to keep going, you know, and I thought, wow, again, wow, what a dude. Yeah. You know, we don't need to do an ECG today. She's having one in a few days anyway. Just take the bloods, let her, you know, get on with it. Yeah. But it was interesting being back at the Royal Marsden again, you know, and finding my way around a bit more now and kind of knowing the kind of procedure. And I saw him and then I had my bloods and then I went to the pharmacy, but they had to wait for my bloods to come back. And actually, again, in the name of busyness, I found myself really impatient, waiting at the pharmacy. You're looking at a screen. It's still in progress. It was like an hour. You know, Dinch was nearby working and he had to make a call and I just wanted to get out there. And it was all of this stuff. And I just thought, oh, what happened to what happened to being in in being, being present and waiting, yeah. you know. And again, other people are waiting and they kind of, some, some of them have lost their hair and it's just, anyway, I finally got the drugs and this time they came in a horrible plastic bottle and I thought, oh, that's ugly. I'll be putting that in my lovely glass magic crystal bottle when I get home, which I did. Um, and then um, and then I actually asked the nurse this time, could she tell me my bloods? Could mm. she send me my bloods? And I don't really know what they mean, although I sent them to the doc and he said, your bloods are ama- they're brilliant. So said, well, what does that mean? He just said, you're just responding really well mm-hmm. to the treatment, which I think means like mainly that my liver and kidney are okay. Yeah. Um, and then I went to have my heart. I had the ECG. I had the echo um, and I had bloods there. And then I will catch up with my heart doctor in a few weeks okay. I and mean, he'll get the results. If there's anything to concern, he'll tell me, but I'll catch up with him in a few weeks. Um, and then, yeah, so my next, um, 
I'll have bloods taken again in a couple of weeks. And then a couple of weeks after that will be my scan. And that's really the telltale. The um, scan. Yeah. So that's middle of May. So that's where I am with everything, Claire. And it's, yeah, it's it's always different, isn't it, when we speak? I don't yeah. know. I always feel a, a different thing or it's been a different reflection. But anyway, it's always good to talk it through. Well, thank you for being so willing to be so open and frank and candid and, and, sharing, and sharing so much like the good and the bad and I'm glad you feel you can do that here and with everybody and yeah so thank you and as ever sending love to my my beautiful unusual pioneer oh thanks Claire love that well um speak to you next week next week sounds good lots of love bye bye thanks for listening to this week's talking with cancer Feel free to share the show or give us a review on Apple's podcast, Spotify or Google. It could help other people find out about us and might help someone you don't know who's got questions about cancer. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Either via our Instagram, which is talking underscore with cancer, or you can email us hello at talkingwithcancer.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye.